0: The opening, Josh, the hardest part for me. <laughs> I was just saying, I was just saying I hate the first sentence of the podcast. It's always my least favorite. So then I'm like, maybe that would be never mind. Okay, Demetrius Gelatis here with Josh Burble. Josh Burble. Thank you for those that have um, tuned along with us on our little spin-off pod. We appreciate the feedback. We appreciate the support. Yeah, I know it's been a little while, um, but uh we get together. You know, life's busy. We get together when we can, when we have stuff that's on our mind to share. With all of you, so today that means that we're sharing what. Uh, so the outline is: we've got a few just general updates uh, on some things uh, that we're doing for training and and uh, some other things, and then uh, and then we'll get into how that relates to each of your pool journeys as well. Yes, perfect, cool. Um, so before, I'll, I'll tell you what, why don't we start? I'll start with the comic thing and then we'll get into the series. Uh, so the comic thing, I told this to Josh already, but um, my last student, so I do these pool trainings, which I'm going to plug here in a second. But my last student, Josh, he was a talker while he played. Mm. And he, uh, I say this to you like I'm explaining it to the yeah. first time, but he, he instead of like, there's there's a couple ways you can play. You know, you're shooting a shot. You could either get down and shoot the ball. Or you can explain how you're what you're trying to do and why, or how you need to adjust for this or that, or explain why it didn't work out the way you wanted it to work out, and and then there's all these other conversations you can have about how it's tough to get used to this equipment, or you know you're still a little hung, you know, like a jet lag. I was gonna say hungover, jet lagged, uh, you know, all these different things. And um, but the problem is that there's a there's like an optimal amount of words to be using while you're playing pool. Uh, you know, people that talk too much or too little, there's like a sweet spot. The optimal number of words. Maybe we could simplify this so it's not a complicated
1: formula. What's the right number of words, Josh? Well, this is not for everybody, but I have determined zero. <laughs> yes. So it's it's not a complicated formula.
0: It's basically like you take the number of words you feel like saying and you multiply it by zero. And then whatever the outcome is that's probably what you should be using. So anyway, <laughs> this is kind of funny. So so this, so this my student was talking a bit and, and doing all these things. And I said, look, I understand why this happens. You know, we're training. And when we're training, we are using words and communicating ideas. Of course, there's pitfalls with reliance on words and training and all that. But anyway, there's going to be some talk, right? During training. But then there has to be like this shift where it's like, okay, now we're going to perform. And when we perform... We kind of have to go into performer mode. And so what was funny about it was how difficult this was for him to shift into. So first I would kind of explain this to him. And then, and then I'd say, okay, let's do it again. And this time when you run these balls, don't say anything to me. Just try to do it. And then that didn't work because he was still saying stuff to me. So I tried a number of different ways to, ex- to kind of get this idea across. And I remember, for example, uh, from playing off the rail, There's a section about mum pool where the author makes a really, really nice uh, explanation of how beneficial it is and how stunning it was to him to learn the benefits of playing without empowering you to just voice every random thought that comes to your mind. And so I read that section to him and I've read, I've shared this with other people before and it didn't really have much of an impact. And he kept, um, he kept, you know, he just kind of kept habitually speaking and voicing his thoughts while he was playing. So then during our lunch break, we're watching YouTube batches of top players. And I asked him to pay attention to how much they were talking. Because if you watch like Federer and Francisco Sanchez Ruiz play a match, you don't really see a lot of, uh, a lot of conversation going on. So I kind of pointed that out. I thought maybe that was a new way to kind of get this through, you know? Mm-hmm. So then we go downstairs and we start playing and he kept, he kind of kept chatting and chatting and chatting about, about what he's doing and how he's doing it and what's, you know, what's going on. And I wish I could say that this next approach was like premeditated strategic, but it was not, it was kind of an emotional reaction. <laughs> and I just screamed. I'm like, I'm like, ah, I can't take it. It's like, you're stabbing me with your words. And I just did this gesture where I was like stabbing myself in the arm with a knife. And I actually hit my arm hard enough that it kind of hurt for a while. Cause I was just kind of worked up and I was like, ah, it's like you're stabbing me with your words, but you know what? It got through. And after that we got along real well. So Anyway, I just thought that was kind of a funny way to start. Maybe I thought I'd do yeah. that as a, as a, let's come in on If that's a high note, let's try to come in on a high note. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I texted you this too, but I, there's a friend that I play with and he's very competitive and we're very competitive uh, playing each other. And, um, and I've just, so I, I've gone through like most of the stuff that we talk about that are corrective things, like, or if not everything I've experienced and gone through and I've struggled with. And so talking is one thing that I have had to work on and, and get better at. And, and, and now I'm in a spot where I just playing. I don't, I don't want to chat. I don't want to talk. I don't, I have nothing. Like I just want to focus and play and just, that's it. And stay, stay present. And i w I've been playing with a guy and he's been chatting and it's a little bit, um, you know, some of the stuff I, I just don't care to hear, you know, cause some of it's complaining about how lucky I am or whatever. And, uh, so finally, I just told him. I said, "Yeah, we're playing mumpool. We're not playing anymore." And we had a, we had a conversation about it. And he uh, didn't really realize that he was doing it. And it wasn't like I was attacking him. I just shared with him my experience of playing him, and and I had said, you know i I don't, uh, I just don't want to do this anymore, like this. And so we're switching now to where he under like. Do we have a, you know, some of the times with friends and things, it's just more of a setting out the expectations. And so I'd never set out the expectations directly. And maybe I chatted more two years ago when we played or a year ago or something, but you know, maybe he didn't pick up that I wasn't chatting anymore. So it was just, it was just funny because, uh, he didn't really realize what he was doing and it wasn't like a confrontation or anything, but it definitely, uh, well, this comes up and, and before I, I have a reply, but first I want to congratulate you on
0: the continuation of your uh 15 year good luck streak that you've had. Uh I just I think that's pretty cool, man. I uh I don't meet many people that that perpetually get lucky like that. So uh, what I do, I just want to tip my hat. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. so anyway, uh <laughs> now I have that's too funny. I I derailed myself uh with my own uh cleverness there. But no um uh, the uh oh so let me i know some of you guys are thinking like well if a guy wants to talk when he plays it it hurts his game and if you let that hurt your game and uh, okay so let's be clear if we're about to head out to derby if i go to derby and my first round opponent starts talking while he's playing that's i'm not like that's a competition to where i don't care about this guy or his journey in that in that moment i just he's he's just representing a certain amount of physical adversity or, you know, adversity that I have to overcome to get to the finish line. So in that situation, he can do what he wants to do. If he wants to surf his cell phone, he can surf his cell phone. If he wants to drink beer, he can drink beer. I don't really care. I'm there to play my game. And I, I know that's what you're thinking. The difference is, is that when you are looking to get together with somebody, in, say in your house or invite somebody to your house to play some pool or to meet them up to play an afternoon session, Now it's like, yes, you're looking to spar and face adversity, but there's there's things that are pleasant and there are things that are unpleasant. Like I wouldn't want to like if there's a guy that I'm playing in a tournament who's just absolutely, you know, miserable to be around and he's just making confrontational and angry and stuff, like I'll play him in a tournament, but I'm probably not gonna invite that guy to my house to play because I just why would I? I don't to, I don't enjoy that. Now you could say, well, then you could toughen up and it makes you stronger, but it's like, no, I'm not gonna invite a bunch of people that are like gonna start escalations and threaten me when they're losing and and, and you know, shark me and like, I'm I can I can I can prepare just fine. And I'm anyway, I have this thing where I'd rather play people I enjoy playing with because then I'll play more. So anyway, the point I'm trying to make is I've done this too with uh, cell phone usage. Like I don't enjoy playing with people that are, they play their turn and then they go sit down and start sell, ch- you know, surfing their cell phone. I find it really dis, distasteful to me. So that doesn't mean that in a tournament, I care. It just means that if they're going to come to my house and play pool, they have to be ready to put their plane on, do not disturb or put their plane, put their phone on airplane mode. And you know what I mean? So I just wanted to distinguish, like, you're not like, you know, it's not like you're going to go to a tournament and the guy's going to say, Oh, what a lucky role. And you're just going to go like forfeit out of the tournament.
1: No, yeah. The, the thing that the conversation that we had, this, is, that's a good point, Demi. Um, the conversation i had with him in the moment when when we were having this difficult conversation after we after we had been done playing i said hey i care about you and we're friends and i know you care about me and if we were in a tournament or we were gambling i would literally just stonewall you like i would just do my thing and stonewall you but i can't stonewall you because you're my friend right like i can't just act like you're not there and just listen and just ignore everything you're saying and just keep playing Like that's, that's not, uh, that's not the way I want to practice and train. Like I wouldn't want to go train with somebody and practice with somebody that we're there to try to help each other get better. And then I just have to put up this gigantic, like tournament gambling barrier with them. And so, yeah, like if I'm, if I'm at, like, I understand and I've seen it many, many, many times and it happens all the time and you can, where people act like that in tournaments and gambling and it's, it's kind of part of the road. I get it. But if I'm practicing and playing, I'm, I'm there to, you know, to, to learn, to enjoy myself, to get information about how to get better and to, uh, you know, just compete and to do that quietly. So I think they're, I think they're different things. Yeah. And I just wanted say. to make sure that they yeah, had the Yeah, exactly. I, it's a great point Demi. Yeah. So it
0: all rolls up under, uh, there's a time to, there's a time to do podcasts. You guys that listen to me might think, all I do is talk, but watch, you know, come play a match. And, uh, if you want to, if I'll tell you what, if you want to hear me quiet down, we can just come and play me a
1: little bit and and it'll be nice and peaceful. Oh, and then another thing is Dem, different situations are different, right? Like I went and played our, our, uh, our guy, Chris with his, with one of his friends and we played three handed and we chatted the whole time. So I, the, I, I asked questions to get to know this guy, Tony, I asked, you know, Chris and I talked about movies. Like we had a great time playing for like three or four hours. We were chatting the whole time and playing and, and that was totally fine. Um, because that was what that time was kind of meant for. But when I'm playing this other guy, you know, we're, we're like, Your he's barring partners. We're yeah. barring partners. He's trying to cut my heart out. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, I need to, uh. Yeah, even yeah. though we're playing playing for fun or practicing, it's it's uh, it's different. So, and that's a good thing too because a lot of people play leagues.
0: And if you go to leagues and you just stonewall everybody and sit in your chair and don't say anything and just go like that, might not fit in very well. On the other on the other hand, if you play leagues seriously and you want to be competitive, it definitely there's an advantage to focus. So the tip I have for league play because I I used to play a lot of leagues is that um when I'm not in a game like so you know like say i have a set i know apa is a little different you play your whole set but a lot of games you you might play a game and then sit for a while play a game sit for a while or you might play a match and then sit for a while Well, i'm in that sit for a while period between games between matches i'm totally fine like supporting my team joking around having a good time whatever but then once it's time for me to either leg, flip the coin or break the balls or whatever like while that match or game is in progress then that's kind of what I'm in competitor mode. I'm not going to be joking around with people during that time. Now that's my, now if other people want to, that's okay. Just understand that there's a cost to that. But, um, but that's for people that are looking for people that don't want to sacrifice the social element of leagues. And they're willing to sacrifice a little bit of the level of play instead, totally fine. Just to chat, yuck it up the whole time. But for people that are trying to find a way to play better and be competitive without coming across as like a total antisocial, like, you know, whatever it's yeah. like, that's a good way to do it. It's just, be be social when you're not in a game that's anyway that's a good so the point is different context is fine but uh okay good so don't stab you with your words Is the point hmm. uh okay so then i mentioned it but i want to kind of just uh quickly plug my training i um i run minnesota pool boot camp mn pool boot is my website and I actually uh I do three day boot camps. So people from all over the country. And actually now I get to say all over the world. I've had people from Canada and the Bahamas, and now I've got a guy coming this summer from Europe, which is kind of cool. Mm. MN Pool Boot Camp international. international. So anyway, yeah, exactly. anyway uh, I'm gonna have to open up a, a you know an Hong international office, office get the yeah. Hong Kong office going. Anyway, uh it's very exciting. It's very exciting. And so I really want to thank everybody too. Like I I'm able to spend a lot of my time talking about pool, shooting pool, and now playing a little bit more pool than I used to. Uh, we've got this club coming up that's going to be uh, help with that. And I'm just like, I owe it all to the people that are as passionate about pool as we are. And so thanks to all the people that have come. And uh, so we have three-day sessions and people can come from all over and train with me. And I've got some spin-offs going on with uh, stuff to make it a little bit more affordable for people. I'm doing some two-on-one trainings. Because that way, by partnering people up, um, I can offer a little bit lower price point and still give them a very, very good experience. In some ways, it's um, it's even better in some ways because they get some camaraderie. They can learn a lot from watching their partner struggle or then have breakthroughs and different things. Um, so anyway, it's, it's pretty cool. I like what I do. Uh, designed for intermediate to advanced. So I got a message back from a guy, and I thought I'd just read this testimonial as a testimonial. He said, he sent me a picture update with a couple things. things. Um, and he said, Hey, by the way, uh, when I originally contacted you, it was because I was an APA, eight. I was in an APA eight ball league. And I had gone and I went from a six, I'm sorry, a three to a six over the course of like four or five months. So APA three to APA six. So APA three is kind of like recreational beginner can pocket some balls, not really run out. And then when you get to five, APA five is kind of where you can like pocket open balls and, and make some basic maneuvers to get from ball to ball, but you're just not running out full tables very often. And when you get to six, it's it's kind of like that's about as far. Like if you have a starter skill set for pool, which is like pocketing balls well, kind of controlling your basic speed and running open balls reasonably well, you can kind of work your way to six through brute force. But seven, seven kind of requires a little bit more of a nuanced skill set, where you have to have a more complete toolbox, both for cue ball and for patterns. So what happens is a lot of people get to five or six and then they stall out. I'm sorry, this isn't his text now. I'm just, yeah. I'm just telling you, I'm explaining for people that don't know the APA system. So it's not surprising to me that people stall out at a five or a six, because that's kind of as far as you can get without diversifying your abilities. So anyway, he says um, he got the APA th- from APA three to six over the course of like four or five months. So that was very, very fast improvement. And then he stalled for a couple of years. I was pretty humbled by the boot camp experience, but I've internalized all of it and put the work in. This past fall session, I increased my Fargo by 35 points via BCA League and some tournaments, and my average break and run per match in APA, which was good enough to finally, finally, finally make me an SL seven in April. So he's finally a seven. And then he mentions that he listens to the podcast and he knows how you and I feel about handicaps. Uh, but uh, and other people in the APA league are telling him to throw games to go back down a level, but he loves the competition. And he he just, he doesn't care if it makes it harder for him to win. He just likes the validation that what he's doing is working. And that, you know, that my, and here's what he says, that my, your system works. Y-O-U-R. Capital, capital your. Um, anyway, he has no plans to sandbag himself anytime soon. He's keeping his nose to the grindstone. So I'm pretty excited, man. It's uh, a yeah, that's, that's a pretty awesome. cool story. Yeah, so yeah. Thank you, uh, Kyle. Thank you for sending that to me. I, uh, it's you know, I oftentimes, it's easy for me to focus on what I can't give people the, the 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 fact that I can only point the way. I can't walk the walk for them. I can't make it easy for them. And that there's a lot of things that I want for a lot of people that are I'm not able to give them. I'm not able to give everybody everything I'd like. So it's nice to know that I'm giving a lot of people a lot of things that are helping. Yes. So that's – so thank you, Kyle. And that's my update on the uh, boot camp training. Um, What else we got going on? We've got a club opening up, Josh.
1: Yes, we do.
0: So why don't you take the lead because you have been amazing. You're like a superhero making this thing happen.
1: Yeah. So we're we're in really good shape now. We have uh, a lease together that we need to just – finalized basically we're we're uh we've got all the de- de- details sort of hammered out with the the landlord and and what uh, we have uh we have our attorney looking it over right? <laughs> <laughs> we got the blueprints we got the yeah so so no that but that is what's happening our attorney's looking at it and just he's very very good and skilled at business business law and leases and things so he's he's got our back there and we'll, we'll be able to put to, a deal together we're super close and the space is awesome it's it's uh it's a brick and timber. So there's exposed brick and timber. Like if you know anything about architecture, that's a really, really beautiful setup. And yeah, it's just, it's just, it's awesome. It's a great location. It's really central to St. Paul, Minneapolis. Um, it's got tons of parking. I went and looked at the parking. There's like 450 parking spots for the building and that's, there's plenty of parking. Um yeah, everything's just awesome. Like we're really close with that. We just have uh, to get through the city stuff, which I just walked walk, walked it through with the city. Um, he gave me the, the the list of things. There's like three three little bowling pins we got to knock down. They're all doable. Um, I'll get them done here coming up. And yeah, so we're we're targeted for April first. It's basically Cliff Notes for opening. Um, we have uh, six diamond tables coming at four and a quarter pockets. Uh, nine, and those nine, are foot. nine foot, excuse me, nine foots, And, um, those are supposed to come in in March. And so, you know, knock on slate coffee table that that's going to happen. No problem, hopefully. And we'll be ready to rock. So yeah, it's a super, super exciting, beautiful space, great location, tons of parking. Um, you know, we, we've got some design elements that I've worked on. I'm really kind of a design guy, so I'm excited about that. We have some merch Uh, we have t-shirts I just picked up. I I bought some t-shirts and I did a logo for the place and, and, uh, the name of it is called slate. So that's the name of it. It's, it's slate billiard club LLC, but like our, our, uh, t-shirts and things just say slate. And, uh, that's kind of how we're, we're branding it and and marketing it. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be cool, man. It's going to be a little bit upscale and, uh, super comfortable and it's going to be an awesome training facility for you and for me and for all of the people that are going to come come practice there and play and train and compete and we'll have live stream set up um we'll do a podcast from there we have a a nice conference room that we could podcast out of and live stream out of and it's just it's an incredible incredible thing and we're really really close man
0: yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. So what this is going to do, I already know people are asking in their minds that are thinking about coming to train with me is, am I going to be training out of there? So when I do my three-day boot camps for one or two people, I will continue to train out of my house uh, because I have guest rooms here and I can accommodate one or two people on my home table. However, with a good location that I can count on, it opens up the door for me to start doing a little bit more group stuff. Now, I've always been hesitant because I I know that okay here's my deepest fear with groups right is you get you get like ten people in a room and you've got that one person that wants to like raise their hand and ask questions and the really point of their question is they're just talking about like showing off some kick system that they learned from you know so and so back in the seventies or something and they're like they just I don't know man there's just a lot of people that it slows things down quite a bit and so I've always loved like just the magic you can have with one or two people however. My, my main goal is to help as many people as I can, as much as I can. And so so there's, there's room for some other stuff. So what I'm thinking I'm going to be doing, and I'm telling this for all the regional players that might be like driving distance from Minneapolis or where, you know, maybe – the reason this doesn't affect the national players so much, maybe it will, but uh, but you know, I just assume that if somebody's going to fly here, that the air flight at cost is already to the point where they'd probably want to be doing one on one or two on one training. But I, but what I can start doing is I can start doing group training, now whether that's group training for groups of people for three days or group training just for one day clinics, where I can you know maybe do a one pocket clinic. Or, or one on, you know, safeties and end games and defense where it can overlap, you know, nine ball, bar table, eight ball, and one pocket with similar safety themes and then practicing certain maneuvers again and again. And whether it's, uh you know, I can, I can start breaking down things like that. I I already do a couple things like that with, uh you know, for different levels of players with, you know, building up specific skills um, that I can, I can really focus on like, Hey, here's the skills that we're going to work on. Here's it's I, sometimes I wonder, and I don't, I don't. Man, I don't mean to throw stones, but I've seen people do like 4-hour seminars where they have a flyer for what they're covering and it's like every pool skill under the sun and I'm like you're going to do a group of 10 people where you're going to cover everything? Like I just don't really get it. I, I I don't know. Anyway, so the point is we can start I can I can start doing some group stuff there. So I've already got some group stuff set up. So if you're in the Minneapolis area or within a few hours of driving, uh stay tuned because uh there's going to be opportunities then to maybe work on a, on a more bite-sized, if three days one-on-one experience is too hard on, on your budget of time or, or or, money, then it'll it'll give me the opportunity to start doing some training in groups. Now, Josh, this is where it gets interesting. You have have been doing some stuff. Why don't you talk about how that, what that means for you, and what your thoughts are about what you, what role you might play in pool in the pool training world?
1: Yeah, I've I've been thinking about them and. Uh... I've been thinking a lot about it, actually. And what I've come up with that I think is a great fit for me and what I enjoy, which is different than what you do, but uh, but can complement it, I think, is I'm looking to do 75-minute sessions one-on-one with people. And basically, my idea is I'm more of a, like a personal trainer at a gym where people would come in and work with me for 75 minutes, and I would run them through um whatever training thing that they they need help with and be able to like you know work side by side with them in live and and show them show them uh how to execute the things and and then you know allow them to have some accountability some inspiration some encouragement and some, you know, corrective things. I'm not a big fundamentals guy. I'm not. I'm not looking at it that way. But if I see something obvious, I definitely can point it out. So, so that's that's what I'm thinking. And so the way I explain it to Demi, and the way I think about it is, you know, Demi's more like a doctor. I'm more like a physical therapist. So if let's just say if I worked with Demi students, you know, after they go through his boot camp and his training, and, and they understand these different drills and different skills that they're working on then if they wanted, they could come to me and I could help them on the execution of that. And Yeah. So let me yeah. give
0: you – so like, let's say, just say, let's take a look at two different scenarios. Let's talk about um, Jeff and Sam. Suppose Jeff's a guy where he's like, look, I have been at 580 Fargo for like 10 years and I – I feel like I play great. And there's a lot of days I play really well, but mentally I struggle. And I, I'm second guess my fundamentals. I I just don't know if I'm like, if my shot making isn't good enough, or my striking is not good enough, or my patterns are sloppy, or maybe my cue ball is not tight enough, or if I need to work on my break or my jumps and like, maybe I just, I just, I feel like there's opportunities to improve in all these areas, but I don't really know how or which levers to pull. And it's just, I just, I need help and I need, you know, like that might be a good three day, you know, like, Hey, I could do kind of a comprehensive, like, what's going on? Here's what I see, blah, blah, blah. Now, I'll take that same player, and let's just say Sam. Forget about Jeff. Jeff's dead to us. But Sam, Sam's like, man, I, uh, I'm really, really struggling with draw. You know, I'm just not drawing the ball very well. Or my long shots are just – I'm just not – You know, there's just, I like, I already have a plan. I kind of know what it's like. I kind of know what I need to work on, or I have, I, and maybe, maybe I'm not being fair to you, Josh. I'm not saying you won't do any consulting, but I'm just saying if a person's like, Hey, I just, I see other people and they're able to do these certain things that I wish I could do, and I'm struggling with that. Um, I, you know, I have this drill that I'm working on, I can't get through it. Um, like that would for sure, I'm not saying that's all you can do, but like for sure, if somebody was like, Hey, you know, I just, my power game's weak, or I'm struggling with long shots, or I can't really, I'm just not really, getting a lot out of my practice. Like then they'd be like, that's like a snap call for you where if they don't want to come do a three day session and they don't feel, you know, go ahead. I just want to just kind of of questions, but yeah,
1: no, you're right on them. Like that, that's exactly right. So, um, you know, outside of that, I, I can definitely diagnose my, some things too, you know? And so, but, but in general, if a person has something, it, they, I run into people all the time. So where this sort of came to be is that every time I go practice and play at a pool room, I see people hitting balls by themselves and I just want to help them, you know, cause they're doing something that is sort of ineffective or is kind of not down the right path or whatever. And I just, am like, I, I just feel this desire, this burning desire to help them to try to cut down that, that, uh, chopping through the, through the jungle, you know, and, and make it a little bit, little bit quicker and easier if I guess is for, you know, cause I've gone through all that, man, I've chocked through the jungle for 35 years and, and my background is training, right? Like golf, bowling, pool, lifting weights, running. Like I'm a trainer. Like I love training and I have developed a big experience set around training and I want to show people and encourage people and inspire people through training. And, and that's kind of what I'm looking to do. And, yeah,
0: yeah, and I and I think I should say because I I I realized like I was kind of frustrated with my inability to express this because definitely not only can you do some like guidance on what they should be training so like if somebody was like you know, uh, a, a 520 Fargo and they were just like an APA five and they were like, Hey, I, I want to get better. Like they could show up and you could yep. watch them hit some balls be like, okay, here's, here's where I want to see your game is you're, you're kind of too weak, too timid. Uh, you know, you can, you can spot real quick what they, you know, yeah. if they don't have, a, I'm not saying they have to have a clear plan. Whatever, not at all. Not at no. all. I'm just yep. saying like they could show up, you could watch them play and say, Hey, you know, even without doing some deep dive three-day course, like, Here's a couple things I see that stand out, yeah. and then not only are you gonna show, not only are you gonna help them in those areas, but you're gonna you're gonna kind of train them on two things. One is the train the direct the, the training on what you're working on, but two is just how to train, what it looks like to train, and so that whatever they do on their own in the future, like they can they're follow that the path that
1: formula, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, because they sure. train differently than most people do.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure, and it, yeah. So an example of that is um Chris, our, our partner Chris in the club. Um, I wanted to help him because he wants to get better at pool. And he's done a, a boot camp with you. And, and I know there's there's drills that he's working on and he, he'll send me pictures of his drills. And I said, well, I want to work with you too. Like I, I want to, I want to debate a test this with Chris. And so I said, let's just meet up and I'll give you 75 minutes and we'll see how it goes. And I had an idea before we even showed up based on his Fargo rate and his, his, the level of play that I believed him to be at. And we had hit balls a couple times already. And so he had missed an eight ball against me and he missed it a certain way when we played a a sessions ago. So then when we got together to train, I set the shot up and I had him shoot the exact same shot 10 times and he missed it five times and he was nervous. You know, I, I get it. I've, I get nervous too playing and, and, uh, but he missed it the same way every single time, like four to five of his misses were overcuts. And that's what I thought was going to happen. I just, I have some theories on how people play and how they, how what happens when they break down, when they're nervous and, and overcutting the ball is, is something that, that I see a lot of people doing Uh, very rarely do they undercut it. And so I set it up and he did what I thought he was going to do. Like we didn't have any plan. I didn't have anything in mind. I just showed up and kind of was winging it. And I set up that shot and he missed it. Like I thought he would. And then, the very next set of 10, I I corrected him by having him go center thick on the pocket and he went nine out of 10. And it was like, you know, an immediate difference. So, so there's know? like so, three
0: different ways I want to follow up on this. Yeah. I want
1: more on three different
0: areas. So let me dig on the specifics real quick. First thing you said is you have theories on why people overcut balls. Let's spill it, Josh. I want to hear, I, I haven't heard this. Why do people overcut balls when they're nervous and tight or when they're just, when they miss? I, cause I, I think most people would have assumed that people tend to undercut balls. But what's your
1: thoughts? Experience. Okay. I mean, I don't really have a technical thing for it. I'm sorry. I just I just knew that when I set that shot up that he was going to overcut that ball. You just feel it. That I've so- seen it so many times. When I've been nervous, I do the same thing. I, it might have something like I'm not a super technical fundamental guy. And I'll tell you a funny story about Chris, too. Um, after he went 9 for 10, he looked at me and he goes – he goes, why, why? And I've told you this before. So this Again, is, this is like, the second point I want to make. So go ahead. Yeah. Let's talk about this and then we'll come back to the cuts. Should I tell this? The yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So, so he goes five for 10 fanning the balls, right? He's fanning them all. And I'm like, and I knew that was going to happen. And so he it just, I'm like, okay, I was very aware that that was probably what was going to happen. So then I had him thicken up the shot and he he went nine for 10. And then he looks at me and he goes, he goes, well, well why did that happen? And I go, I don't have to care, Chris. I don't care why it happened. We're not going to sit there and go down a rabbit hole of what happens mechanically on why you hit the ball thin and, and your elbow drop or your whatever, your perfect. I shouldn't say. <laughs> okay. I got to correct. We can have that up. Or let's just say how you're aiming, how you're aiming the ball. <laughs> so I, whatever. So I just said like the results of the results, bro, like, you know, you, you just went from fanning five out of 10 to making nine out of 10. And, and it's like, like, I don't really care. Like, in, in my theory on this, this is a rabbit hole and this is a different conversation maybe. But I think that people could spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars and hundreds, if not thousands of hours trying to determine why they're doing something wrong and mechanically. and And I feel like they might not ever find that answer and it could actually disrupt their game and make them worse off. So my opinion is, or my theory is, or the way I approach it is, let's do what's effective, and let's learn um, how to how to strike the ball um, based on what we're doing versus fixing something that we don't really have the science behind uh, with pool, like there is with golf. I think there's a lot of science behind golf where they can make those changes and can show you on film um, where your where your your swing is bad. But I think with pool, it's a different thing. I don't think the science is there. So my opinion is let's let's do what's effective. That's what I laughed and I told Chris. I go, Chris, I'm here to help you do what we just did in five minutes. I'm not here to sell you some sort of system or anything like that or, you know, milk you for lessons or anything. It's like I want to have you enjoying yourself and seeing results and playing and having fun. And I want you to be able to lean on this when you're under pressure, you know, in the future. So anyway, so yeah,
0: yeah. So so. I I think I can, uh, first of all, I think I'm going to close the loop on the whole, why do people overcut under pressure? I think that my, my quick theory is if you're not under pressure and you're just hitting balls, it's easy to catch a ball thick a little bit now and then and catch a rail going into a pocket, coming down the rail and hang it up. Or, you know, the balls grab a little bit more, or you just don't cut them enough sometimes. And I think that I do think that people's relaxed hit home game when people are comfortable i think their tendency is to undercut balls Um, but under pressure people are like i don't want to undercut this ball and i know it's easy to undercut this ball so then maybe what they do is they just ratchet the over correct the the, the manual correction Mm -hmm. which is like when you're like I must not allow this to undercut into the yeah. side rail, and then you just like clip the edge of it. Like, yeah, yeah and, like, but, you know the thing yeah. like trickles down and sits yeah. up in front of the hole, and you're like, oh. So I think yeah. maybe that's wise because when people make these big manual corrections, it doesn't work too well. Yeah, I
1: don't know. That just a maybe, yeah. and I'm I'm thinking it has something to do with the flinching too. When people are looking away and not locked in, when you're nervous, you have a tendency to look away and flinch and move and not lock in. And that, and and a lot of times that ends up. I think that could add to it too. I I don't have the answer. That that's the bottom line. But but, but it's just, but, the, but the bottom no the real bottom line is you don't need the answer. And so well, what, can I follow up with one yeah, thing, Jeremy? Okay, right. The only thing I would add to that is to say, if he oh, if he if he shot the thing f- ten times and missed it five and he hit it thick four to five times, then we would have adjusted the other way. But so so my read is that people, when they're nervous, fan balls. Like I've been playing pool for 35 years, and I played much of that with amateur pool. And I've just watched people fan balls, and I've fan balls when I'm nervous. And so my read was he was going to fan it because I knew he was kind of nervous. And that's what happened. And when we played, which was funny, we played with that Tony guy, Almost every Cuddy Hattie fan, you know, when he missed it and he was paying attention. And so what I was trying to teach him was we could fight about why people do it or not do it in fundamentals and all that stuff. But the bottom line is, is that the biggest thing that he took away from that is that he would have never he always looked at the result of whether he made it or not and not the 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 the. the, the the data that he should have been collecting during that process, which is what I taught him, is that you should be looking to see where you're missing and how you're missing. If you shoot 10 shots and you miss it thin four times out of your five, then you there's there's some so, data there to look at. So there's a reason I think people don't like to do that or resist doing that, and I'm going to uh, get back to
0: it. I just wanted to say one thing, which is that there could be uh, – and I'm not trying to steal your thunder or take away anything. I'm just saying there could be something where when somebody's missing a ball a bunch – and then you tell them to do something a certain way. Sometimes that makes them hyper focused in the moment. Sometimes that that makes them feel more detached where they instead of feeling like, oh, I have to make this ball, they're like, Well, I'm just trying something. I'm trying an experiment for doing something the way you tell me to. So they don't they don't feel, you know, it's it's not as they're not as emotionally involved with the outcome because they're like, Well, I'm just trying some system you showing me and seeing what happens. And so and, and sometimes because of that, they're not – because of their emotional detachment and because of their increased focus um, on what they're doing in the moment and how it feels, it's it's not uncommon to, like, try something different and have short-term, you know, different types of results. So I'm not – I'm just saying because if anybody's thinking that or even, maybe people don't know that, uh, the trick is, you know, you've talked about the Magic Golf Club theory. Like, it's not uncommon for somebody to try a new cue and then, like – it hits different than their cue. So every shot they're like super focused in on how that cue is hitting. And all of a sudden they're like, let me try your cue. And then they try a new cue and then they run like a 50 balls in straight pool. Like, man, this thing's awesome. You mm-hmm. know? And so that, that can happen. Uh, so I just wanted to mention that. So you, you do have to be careful sorting out like, you know, what's effective versus what's uh, you know, placebo a little bit. Mm-hmm. But what, what I think is important about what Josh is saying. And what I think that is uh, where people go wrong is that how things, how you actually get better and how people think that they get better or how people would like to get better are sometimes two entirely different things. And so most people, if they are undercutting or say they're overcutting a ball, most people's approach goes like this. If I'm overcutting this ball, then I would, the and, and so again, it, for people that know inner game of tennis, self one, self two, Self one is the teller. Self two is the doer. And so we have two parts of our mind. One is very poor at playing, but thinks it's very smart and wants to be in control. And so that's the teller part, the ego, the I self, whatever, the analytical mind. So the analytical part of us would like to say, here's how the analytical mind would like improvement to work. I, in my superior wisdom and cunning, will will understand why this shot is overcoming. And I will I will come up with hypotheses, and then I will conduct experiments and gather data. And then I will come to a conclusion about why this is going too thin. And then I will implement a, another set of experiments to determine what physical adjustments and aiming system adjustments and eyesighting adjustments and how I can manually correct this, how I can, you know, cunningly, I already used that word, but like how how I can make these adjustments to like where all of a sudden I've solved that issue and now my body can just put the ball in the hole because I finally set it up for success. It's actually the same idea with like a dad coaching a little league player. Where if the little league player is like swinging and missing, and the dad's like, "Okay, I am going to figure out everything that's going wrong with your game, and that I am going to give you verbal coaching instructions and and tell you exactly how to do this so that you don't get that result anymore." Like that doesn't really work. It doesn't build confidence. It doesn't. It's not a. It's just not how improvement actually works so it's like but that's how but that's how people want it to work because why because it's gratify. it's ego gratification it, it gives for people that want an ego payoff that they are in control and that they are important and that they are smart and that they are in charge of the learning process and that they are in charge of their body and their results It people people want to be ultimately people want to be in control of their results uh they want to control what they can't control they can't control outcomes, but they wish they could. And so they think, if I could just be smart enough to figure out why these outcomes work that way, then I can figure this all out. It's just like this this desire to control things we can't control, mixed with this ego payoff that you get when you feel like you're the one that's so smart that you're making it all happen according to your plan. Whereas the reality is, you're not that smart. That's not really how learning works. And that it's actually really simple. If that, if that ball's not going where you want it to, just... Aim it a little, you know. Just if it's going too thin, well, aim it a little thicker until it starts going in. And then let's trust that your body will start to develop a feel and a vision of that shot. To where just stay the heck out of it. Think, you know, let your body figure it out and 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 build some confidence and some memory and some vision on that shot. And and stay out of its way because your body's going to do a much better job than your brain ever will. What are your thoughts on that, rant?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I I agree, and that's that's yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to help people with or looking forward to helping people with is being more intuitive. Like that's a word that I've been thinking about a lot with training. It's like, I feel like the thing that I've done for, for many years in my training has been to be intuitive and to to kind of listen to my body and and, and sort of see what it's doing and then try to make my adjustments. And it's intuitive is a lot different than controlling, you know, and I'm, not very controlling when i when i'm practicing and training i definitely am dedicated and i put in a lot of hard work but the more that i can become intuitive and be more relaxed and just respond to the information versus reacting to the information um then i'm able to get more out of my sessions i'm able to get more um physical benefits like improvement and also like feel like playing, keep going, you know, cause people that are controlling, they oftentimes get frustrated because it's an uncontrollable process and they can get very down about it. And when I've been controlling about it, I've been very down about it. So I've been going through these ups and downs and things for many, many, many years. And I'm in a spot now where I'm, I'm in a better spot. And and I just, I feel like I'm in a spot where I can help people and, and give them, you know, give them a lot of information, uh, show them some things about how to approach training, um, through all the kind of the bad beats that I went through in in my, in my lifetime. So, so I'm excited about it and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so this is
0: going to be good. Uh, so what we're going to do is I'll, I'll continue to run my boot camps. Josh is going to be doing some kind of personal training to, to get people, you know, hitting maybe the right drills, hitting them the right way in a way that's effective in a way that's putting in work. This, this ties into something else that, uh, you just brought up to me today when we had lunch. Good that was a good lunch. Yes. Um talk to me about excuses, Josh, and right. what you've been hearing in, in your visits to local pool rooms coaching
1: customers for our club.
0: <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm just joking. I'm just <laughs> joking.
1: <laughs> we don't. Yeah, exactly. Well, so what what That's I'm really we Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so what <laughs> it's a free market, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so what I'm what I'm seeing, and this this is too. Like, if we want to talk about like people that would contact me, I I don't want to work with people that um that aren't open to new ideas and that are too controlling. And and uh, you want um, you want that you want to be able to tr- if he if he tells you to sand his porch or paint his fence, paint my fence. You better be painting the th- damn. I fence. don't want any questions. Just exactly. trust the goddamn sensei. Exactly, exactly. So yeah it's very funny like engineers are very controlling so chris and i were playing with an engineer and i was thinking immediately chris was trying to say like well you could work with josh and i'm immediately like i don't know man i don't really i've worked with engineers a lot and they're very they're too myopic and i feel like and they're too like controlling and so we had a very funny conversation with tony the engineer and he's like no no i'm a field player my inbox is gonna erupt now yeah with with Twelve page emails. Yeah, I I I don't buy the twenty six objections they have to that statement. Yeah, (laughs) I don't just dig it deeper. No, 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 (laughs) no. Well, I told them a funny story when I was in Harvard Flooring. If I went into someone's garage and they had their tools all lined up on pegboard and outlined, I would ask them if they're an engineer. And if they were, I just, I just tell them I'm camp book. I can't fit you in. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So, anyways. Like, so, so yeah, I'm not for everybody just like you, Demi. You're yeah, not for no, everybody for sure. with boot camp. So, so Demi and I are like, we're our own thing and we're our own people. And there's some people that we're, we're going to be fantastic to work with and there's some people that wouldn't be a good fit. And I think but, you and I both know how to, to
0: be fair. So I, I definitely, I would never like, we're not the same in how we do things for sure. We're going to get different flavors, different ideas, but, and I do think that Josh, when it comes to play, I mean, I, I admire and at times envy your, your uh, intuitive, really flowy play. Uh, it's, it's, it's really, really good. And it's like, that's, I aspire to that, man. So it's cool. I, I, that's awesome. But I do think that, um, well, I'm obviously an analytical person. Cause like I do these podcasts yes, and you can yes, hear that course. I obviously I'm thinking yep, about this of course, but you know, that, that there's a difference between doing it smugly thinking, ha ha ha. I'm so smart. This is how pool ought to be played versus thinking, man, this is like, Not a leak, but it's definitely something that I have to game manage. And it's not, it's not, it's not where I think that optimal play is. So when I'm teaching people, I'm not like bringing them to a classroom where I can strut around with how much I know and then communicate as much information with pen and paper as I can to where people could go home with a list of cool new kick systems and a, a list of new like you know cool theory that they can talk about. Like that's not my measure. Like all I care about is bottom line results. And and the less, honestly, the less new information, the less words, the less, you know what I mean? The yeah. less is more because in the end it's like, it's not about who can talk about pool the best. It's about who can play the best. And, and I think the one thing that you and I have in common is kind of like in therapy where they have like solutions based therapy. It's like, we're, what works, what works, what works. And I'm very focused on like, where's their pool game? What, where is it not working? And then, what would it look like if these pieces worked? That it was put together right. And then I show—I try to show them a picture of like what a working pool game looks like with those pieces working. I show them how those pieces work, and then I try to get them to have that thing working. And if I can do that by demonstrating you know, by communicating the forest and the trees, here's the big picture of how it should look. Here's the pieces and how they should work to form that picture. I can demo it. Here's here's the difference between how I'm doing it and how you're doing it. Now let's go up there and try to close that gap. And if some of that involves new understandings of technique or new understandings of how the cue ball works or new understanding of why these patterns are a little better than that pattern or something. Like then, of course, there's, I think there's a role for, for technical understanding, but that role is subservient, like two levels below, like the ultimate, like if there's a, if there's a hierarchy of priority, it's like technical understanding is a servant that should be working in the fields so that your actual game gets, you know, sitting in the castle is getting rich your actual game is improving. It shouldn't be that the technical understanding guy is at the top of the pyramid and everything's about like, look at how, how much wisdom I can collect. It's like, that's just, that's not how I teach. So I think that even though we do things a little different, whatever, I think that we have that in common. Would you agree with that? So anyway. Yeah.
1: And I, and when I meant for the same, I meant we approach our, like our student or client base the same, where we understand we're not for everybody. Right. That's right. Because people that are,
0: and I think that people that are looking for, you know, who can, who can, you know, I, here's the thing. I'll just tell you this way. There's no other way to say it. Uh, it's our podcast. I get to say it how I want to say it. I don't like people that are in leagues that have something to say about how that guy should have shot the four ball and how that guy over on that other table should have played safe instead of going for the shot and how that woman over there is dropping her shoulder. But then he has something to say about how everything else is going wrong. But then he gets up to the table and he can't run the ball. so. Like it's always bothered me and I never wanted to be that guy. So when I played pool, I never said anything to anybody. I just wanted to play and you know, like, just, just do it myself. And and that's actually the reason that I'm not saying you have to be a good player to be a good instructor. And neither am I saying I'm the best player in the world. But I do feel like if what I teach works, then therefore I ought to be able to apply it and then get some type of result myself. Yeah. So the fact that I, I'm not, again, I know that there's, I mean, and listen, if somebody was like, if somebody was like a top player, like if Tony Robles does instruction, even if he, he's a bad example, he's still active. But like, if there's some guy that used to be like top of the pool, not even top of the pool, but you know, a competent player that's like teaching full-time, I'm like, totally fair. But like, if somebody is like, you know, in their prime as a pool player and as a teacher and they are, I don't know, man, it's just, so what What's my point is, I don't want to be the guy that can spout theory, but can't do it. And so I think that I think that there's a lot of people that feel that way, Josh. And I think that there's a lot of people that feel that way where they like to go to certain places where they can get all kinds of technical information, so that it, it feels like they've grown because they could spout new facts. But for for all that, I think that there's a lot of people that are just like, I just want to get better, and I'm willing to be humble, and I'm, I'm not. I understand this is not a knowledge contest; it's a performance, and what and, and I'm open to whatever works. Even if it's you know non-traditional, counterintuitive, like some of the stuff might be. So yep. And I just think that uh yeah, I'm sorry. So yeah, so I, I got derailed. So we're well, not for okay. everybody. You yeah. understand we're not for everybody, yep. but this is what you're gonna be doing, and excuses. We were talking about excuses. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll go back to that. So um so so basically what what I'm seeing around is um okay, so I had a situation where I had a lot of excuses, so this comes from my own experience. And so, I would say maybe three years ago, I uh, got into Goggins, and Demi knows this. And we, he and I went back and forth on Goggins; we have different views on him and, and whatever, which is fine. And uh, but but Goggins is like this Navy. I probably mentioned him on the podcast: Navy SEAL, pull up record, you know, two hundred mile runs. The guy's an absolute mentally tough guy. So I was in a spot, I me, mean, where and and uh, that I needed to become stronger mentally, and I needed to be able to find a way to become more resilient because I was not very resilient in my life and as a pool player, and so I found Goggins, and he is one of the most resilient people ever, and so I, at that point in my life, was was needing that sort of kick in the ass, that sort of militaristic view of how to get better at things and how to push yourself. And so I went through that process. And so I did a bunch of running and, 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 and through paint, through, through, through bad leg, all the stuff that, that, that he's spouting that you should be doing and I, and whatever. So that was very good for me. And so now it's three years down the road. And I've built all these habits over the last um, few years where I have very few I don't have a lot of excuses or room for excuses in my life because I've just sort of gone through building my resiliency and um and so it's just I've just built up the skill set to just live with less excuses and more resiliency and so that's something that I want to bring can to you, people can but you go give ahead me, give me one example of
0: a situation where you would have 3 years ago made an excuse that would be much more manageable today and get a different
1: outcome. Um, well, there's so many of them, there's millions of them, but but like one, one excuse I was given by somebody was about driving distance to play pool. And I sold my table and I don't have a table at my house. And the one table that I need to, uh, prepare on that I feel like is 40, 45 minutes from my house. And so, and I don't have a lot of time because I have kids and I have a wife and I have, you know, a uh, responsibilities around making money and things. And so I basically can squeeze an hour to two hours most days out, but in order for me to go to the correct table to get ready for Derby, I needed to drive 45 minutes each way. And so rather than making an excuse about that's really far and look at that, I'm in the car for an hour and a half a day and all the gas I'm burning and all the time I'm using and everything like that. And wham, 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 poor me. I can't, um, you know, this is just too much to handle. And I have these kids and this wife and I need to make money. And instead I just look at it and I'm like, well, that's where the table's at. And I just have to go do it. And so uh, in the past I would find reasons not to go practice. And I've just built up so many habits about disciplines, about being able to get through these challenges that now I don't, I don't even consider it. I just, I just drive and go play. So then when I was talking to someone, and I had just driven 45 minutes to go play for an hour and a half and do drills um, and then go home and take care of my family and all the things I need to do. This guy was telling me, well, I, I don't have this and I don't, I can't do this and I can't do that. And I, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and I have to drive to go to the pool room and I'm sitting there saying like, I doesn't even I register you on the way here. Man. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm lapping you on the way here and the way home. And so, and it's not like, Oh, I'm, at me i'm weight room walking around and i'm i'm important and and this guy's weak or anything like that no 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 i just i would much rather have a relationship and a conversation with people like that that encourages them and tries to help them understand in reality and that it's not about what they can't do it's about what's possible any like and you listen to if you listen to any of these guys that are like ex-military personal development guys they any excuse is always well wake up earlier, you know? And so I'm seeing that for myself at the club. I'm gonna probably have to wake up at 5 a.m. to get everything done that I want to have done when we have the club going. And I'm like, that's totally fine. I, I'm I'm fine with that. You know, I just have to go to bed a little earlier. I gotta, you know, get out of bed. So so whatever I'm just and saying. Then, like, let me like, jump yeah, in on no excuses I'm, thing yeah. because
0: I I'll, i we have plenty more for you to go. I'm just we're just yeah, we're just Getting started. We're just wetting our, we're just wetting our beach.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's like when you give someone money. Oh, yeah, oh Godfather. Oh, too.
0: okay. I couldn't yeah. remember that. Uh, anyway. Wedding our uh, Okay. We're wetting our appetite. So the, the point is, is that for me, okay. So I was in sales for a long time. And of course, I think if I had any success in sales, a lot of that came from pool because pool is a no excuses game. You could run eight balls and, and you know, missed the nine and luck two is an art. No, the thing is, is that nobody, like you don't get paid for yardage. It's all about getting the job done. And it's, it's, it's it, in, on the surface. It's like, it couldn't be a game that it has more accountability. Only buddy, the only person putting those balls in motion is you either you're getting results or you're not. How could there be any room for anything else? But yet it's amazing how people can distort, you know, wins and losses, uh, you know, and, and roles and who got lucky. And if this end happened and all this stuff. And then the funny thing is, if people can distort what's happening in the physical table in front of them, they can really distort what's happening in their own pool journeys. Yeah. Talking about talent and time and wham, wah, So when I was in sales though, I mean, it was like, if it's it's just excuses are like, it doesn't, it's just, it doesn't really make any sense. It's like, so I would, and I, I've thought back, I've, I've probably communicated this ineffectively to my salespeople that worked for me in the past. But like, there was times when I just, it was hard for me to even relate. Like you try to empathize and try to understand somebody's point of view, but it was so different than mine because like, I would think about things like, like, okay. I mean, there's just so many silly examples I could give where it's like, suppose, suppose a loved one was having some kind of heart attack and you needed to get him to the hospital and that you jumped in the car and you were driving and you ran into some construction and that road was closed. Would you just kind of be like, well, you know, I guess we don't get to the hospital. I mean, you know, what was I supposed to do? Twelfth Avenue was shut down. It's like, what? No, like, just see the difference that there's an outcome that has to occur, and therefore anything that's between you and that outcome is something that has to be navigated. And and so, uh, an example that used to drive me nuts is I'd have these, I would have salespeople, and and they would be like a really really big deal it was like a like a big deal, uh, you know, it would affect. Our business, their livelihood, you know, if we can get this guy on the phone, communicate some updated terms to whatever, you know, proposal, maybe we could clinch up this deal before he goes with a competitor. And if we do, it would be really big for everybody, including the customer. And I'd be like, okay, so you need to reach this guy. They're like, All right, all right. So then I'd check with them, like, you know, and you know, whatever, maybe the next day or later that night. I'd be like, hey, did you ever get a hold of, you know, Mr. Thompson? And they'd be like, no. And I say, okay, well what, you know, give me an update. Like, let's delve deeper. Like, what do you mean? You haven't talked to Mr. Thompson. Like we need to get a hold of like, and they would be like, well, you know, I, I tried him earlier. I left him a message. So like we live in a world with email, with multiple phone numbers, with spouses, with other people you can try to contact, you know, in some cases, if it's a business to business sales and you know, they have a, a, a retail location with addresses. And it's like the, the thing that always occurred to me was, and I, I'm not saying I was the best sales manager, but I I may have had a conversation that went something like this. Like, suppose that the owner of our company came to you and said, hey, I've got a briefcase with $100,000 in it. If you could find a way to initiate a conversation with Mr. Thompson in the next 24 hours, I will give you this briefcase. Like, would you get a hold of him? And it's like, well, yeah, you'd get a hold of him. I don't know how, how? Well, now's the interesting part. How would you? Well, I don't know, but for a hundred thousand, I'm talking to Mr. Thompson. Like, I don't know if I have to, like, you know, text him or call him again or call him from a different number in case he's screening my calls or, you know, I'm not advocating for this. I'm just saying these are things you could do, you know, calling up somebody you know he works with, trying to, you know, send an email, you know, having something in your message or in your email that's more provocative than, and hey, this is so much to call me back. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Like, I'm sorry, I get, I'm, I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. But like, you would probably be talking to Mr. Thompson. So I would say to this person, like the owner of the company is not coming in with a hundred thousand. So now the question is, all those things that you would have done, either you can do those or you can not do those. And you're not going to get a hundred grand, but you might get a hold of Mr. Thompson. And if you consistently put that kind of effort into your into everything you do, you're going to get different results. And so the bottom line is it's it's like there's ability and then there's 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 could and or, you know, can you do it, and then there's will you do it? It's like is it is this really a is this really a question of ability or is it a question of motivation? And a lot of times, if you pass the hundred thousand dollar test out, it's like if somebody was going to give you a hundred thousand, could you get to the pool hall tonight and practice? Well, then if you can, it's not really about ability; it's kind of about motivation. That's how it's always looked to me, and it's confusing that people can see it differently. Sorry, yeah, just got worked up.
1: No, 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 and I just I think I'm okay with with uh, I'm totally fine with people not being able to execute or not being able to do stuff. I just want them to be. It's a choice that they're making. I want them to, yeah. yeah. I just want them to understand.
0: It's um like talking when you play. It's like if you yeah. choose to say, I know I could go there, but I just have not committed enough to my pool improvement and I'm just not that disciplined and I'm choosing to be, you know, take it easy and not, and not work on my pool game. And I understand that I'm not going to hit, you know, any kind of growth
1: goals because of this. Eh, but that's okay. I'd rather watch the show. It, exactly. Exactly. Like, th- that's it. Just, just be in reality because what, what I, what is fatiguing is to talk to somebody to say, I want to be a 700 Fargo rate, but then to see that, that they don't practice. So I'm like, well, I don't know that that's going to happen at your age. You know, like that's not, you're not an eight, you're not a 15 year old kid. That's just out like sponging up information and, you know, you know, on the road and gambling and practicing or 18 or whatever. It's like, to me, if you have goals and you have desires, it's, it's like, they're just wishes then. And so if you want to share your wishes, like I wish it was different. That's, that's fine. I I wish it was different too for me in a lot of ways, but, but I want people, I want to teach people or show people or talk to people, I guess if I'm going to do some training is to, is to be, in reality, you know, if, if you say you want to do this, then let's put a plan together and let's have, let's do it. And I can be there encouraging them. I can be there holding them accountable when we're together. I can follow up with them. I can do all these things. I can be encouraging, you know, I mean, I like to point out the good things they're doing, not, not the, like as part of working with people and and, and talking them ballpool pool. but I can't sit and listen to someone tell me they are want to get to seven hundred, but they don't practice. You know, so, or they, or they're not going to tournaments, or they're whatever, whatever the thing that's keeping so, them from from getting better. And and, and there's a there's a it, there's yeah. a total there's a total difference between saying, "Hey,
0: I've got two young kids at home. Uh, I'm I'm really busy. I got a new promotion." I, I, I want to get better at pool, but I realize that with my obligations and due to other priorities, I just don't have the budget to put in. So therefore, I don't really expect much from my game right now, but I'm looking forward to the time when I have more to put in because I know what I need to do to get better. Like, that's totally different than saying, man... I just don't understand why I'm not getting better. It's just not working out for me. If I don't be more
1: consistent. Yeah, yeah. If I could yeah. just be more so, consistent, hundred I would so, be. You know. So
0: then I want to hear two things from you. One, I want to hear about the reality show. Oh, yeah, and then, yeah, And then yeah. two, I want to hear what triggered all this. Like, what have you run into specifically in the last week or two that's feeding your desire to start training people? And what, what are some
1: examples off the street? Okay. During your poaching. <laughs> during my poaching, <laughs> I got my big light in my pickup truck and my rifle. Ah, shoot. <laughs> this is too easy. <laughs> okay. So the reality show, the, the thing that, okay, so I'm sitting there, we'll go first with, with what I've seen. And what I've seen is I've talked to people. And when I talk to people and I've talked to, I've listened to you talk about, you know, um, your, your processes and talking to people too, but, but I'm just, When i talk to people and this is not just in pool this isn't business this isn't anything where someone is sort of you know coming up with excuses it's just i'll ask people like well what are you doing you know like okay okay i was practicing at crs and a guy was sitting there and he was watching me hit 50 shots so i hit 200 shots in my practice session i hit them in groups of 10 i go five groups of 10 and I, I kind of look at my numbers, my percentages, whatever, and I'm shooting difficult shots and and anywhere from 50 to 80% success rate. And I'm shooting these long straight-in shots um, with, with follow-back down table on a four-and-a-quarter pocket. And I'm shooting, and I'm effing rifling them in, Demi. I'm like in the zone. And I hit like 9 out of 10. And, and it looks like a shot that if you set up, it might be 5 or 6 out of 10. And I get done hitting 50 shots, and he goes, I could never do that. And I thought – well, I mean, I am hitting him pretty good. And then he said, and I didn't say that. I just was pausing and listening. And he goes, I could never hit 50 shots like that, you know? And, and I just realized, yes, you can. Like, you totally can do that. You can totally and do that. You know what my response would have been is, is it the fifth shot or the 17th shot? Like, which of the 50 shots is the one that you think
0: is preventing you? Like, seriously, <laughs> yeah. explain to me, which you can hit one, right? Yeah. Yeah, is it the yeah. second shot? Yeah. Like which which is the shot that if I if I paid you a hundred thousand dollars, we it'd be
1: okay, I'm, I'm Sorry. No. I'm back. You got the talking <laughs> stick. God damn it. Oh. <laughs> I'm doing the stabbing thing again. The stabbing thing. No, so that was an example where I was just I was just kind of blown away and I was sitting there thinking. Well, you can do it. Like you can totally do this, and he's like, no, i don't I lack I don't have the focus or whatever and, and so that's that just turns into a whole other conversation. And the other conversation I had with another guy was he was hitting balls and and he was saying, "Well, I don't want to like I was talking to him and he and about about some trainings to different things, and he's like, "Well, this is what I do, you know and he's like, this is why I can't play on a big table anymore." And he sets up the tables in the bar table and he's like, I look away, I, I can't hold my attention, you know, so I, so it kind of works on a bar table, but on a big table, it won't work. And I'm sitting there saying, well, that's, that's not true. Like that's, that's like an excuse to like not, not have to do hard things. I'm basically like, no, bro, I could go over there with you for an hour and I could show you how to stop flinching and, and how to keep focused on the shot and how to connect with the shot. I mean, and, and you could put in the two or 300 shots and, and and hit them at a high percent, you know, you could, stop flinching on a lot of them and get the information. Like there's a process for him to learn how to not flinch on shots. It's like, but but he's saying basically I don't want to put in the work, you know, like, I don't want to go do that. I just want to play on a bar table. And so I'm just running into people that are in like, I'm not dogging these people. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that they create narratives for excuses so that they don't have to put in the work. And so I'll switch to the the reality show now and I'll say, I'm sitting there and I'm dealing with this around pool and I'm sitting there thinking, man, I just, I see this a lot in pool and business and life. And then I turn on the reality show and it's called uh, World's Toughest um, Special Forces Training or something. It's this cool show. They got 16 like celebrity influencer, ex-Olympians, NFL, NBA, uh, politicians, um, reality show people. So you get 16 people and they all sign up to go to the desert in Jordan and do special forces training, finger quotes, because I've watched a lot of special forces training and this is like. Very, very much watered down. Watered down, but it's hot. You know, it's over 100 degrees. They are doing a little bit of running. There's some things. You know, they're they're they're. But 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 their point of the whole reality show is nothing here is so physically impossible that a housewife from Atlanta, Real Housewives, couldn't couldn't execute these these tasks. And and none of them are getting booted from the show from not completing the tasks. They're only voluntary withdrawing if it's difficult. That's how they get off the show. So I'm like, well, this, this is going to be kind of easy now, that, you know I mean? Even though it's difficult. So there's all these pampered people and, 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 but there's, and some of our athletes and some of them aren't, and these people are dropping like flies Demi. And the excuses that they have are just amazing. It's like, so, so they so don't I, have to, so they don't have to do the actual like seal training and they don't even have to
0: succeed. Like if they have some obstacle course that has a wall, if they run the obstacle course, can't climb over the wall, get halfway up. And then they run around it and complete the run. Like as long as they. Keep going effort as yes. long as they keep going and they don't withdraw, they're automatically going to pass. Yeah, they just have
1: to not quit. Yeah, and some of the things are scary, right? Like they they, they appear to be scary, like you're strapped in, like I have a fear of heights, I'm claustrophobic. I, I understand these things are scary. Um, one of them was scaling really high in the air on this wire, but like. These people, like, it was just amazing. And they dunk a a Humvee and you have to go underwater and hold your breath for 20 seconds. and, And it's just like, this stuff is intimidating. But these people are just dropping like flies. And it's just amazing. And the excuses that they come up with are just amazing. Because they sit there and they look at the camera and they say, I'm doing this to prove to my children that you can do difficult things. I've never really been able to prove to myself that I could do tough things. And so within twenty. the one guy that was talking about how, Oh yeah. Yeah. So so that person, that person. Okay. What did he say? Yeah. 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 The one guy is a chef and, uh, and he's kind of like in his fifties and he's kind of like gym, gym shape, dumpy shape, but, but like he's worked out and he's like, I'm unbreakable. He looks (laughs) at the camera. He says, I'm unbreakable. And I'm here to I'm here to prove to myself that I am as unbreakable as I think. And if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen, he says. And then literally cut to the next scene. And the guy walks up to the instructor because he had to go on this high wire thing where he was he was totally safe, locked in, no one's gonna get hurt. And he says, Guys, he's just straight faced. He goes, It's my wife's birthday. And I promised her I would not get hurt. So here's my armband. I have to withdraw. And it's, like, he actually thinks that, like, like, like that's a legitimate thing. Like, I'm doing this for my wife. Like, if it wasn't unbreakable, me would never quit. But but this is for my wife. But when he, they panned to him, when they showed him how high he was going to be in the air, he was ghost white <laughs> and shitting his pants. You could just tell. And then I'm, like, I saw him, and I'm, like, rut roll, this guy's out of here, you know. You can kind of see that they're going to withdraw. And they're just dropping, like, flies. And the excuses that they have, it's, like, like the one that was like, I'm here for my children. She's like, I can't be away from my children. I have to go home. And it's just everyone, and it's fine because it's very difficult, it's very challenging and they're very pampered. So I can understand they're in an extreme situation. But it's, and it's not to make fun of these people because I like the show, they're all trying their hardest They're putting themselves in difficult situations. I got a ton of respect for that. I just, I'm noticing in life that when things are hard, it's very easy to create a story for yourself that allows you to quit. And I've done it. And F&A, Demi, you taught me this, man, because I can remember going to you and being like, I don't understand. I play so good in practice, blah, blah, blah. Why am I not having better results? And you're like, input equals output. And I'm looking at myself and I'm realizing, yeah, I'm not putting in the work. I'm having an yeah. excuse and for not putting in the work. Josh, you you know? you're a tough son of a bitch. I'm glad that
0: you know we we're able to help each other along our journeys. I remember that conversation because- Josh was basically saying in, in in a different way, I've put in all this input and I'm not getting the output that I feel I should. And it felt it unfair. It yeah. felt unfair. Like there's like, there's some, something's wrong The universe. either I'm yeah. cursed or I'm getting unlucky or just somehow I don't have the, something's wrong. And, and I just said, what if input equals output? What if what you were, and here's what I said. I said, what if you were getting exactly what you deserved for what you were doing? What if, what if that was the case? And it's a pretty hard thing to say to somebody I love, like I love you, Josh. But uh, the the it's but it's nothing I don't say to myself every day. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Is that and that's why the first three words on my website are input equals output. Because so so let me go for a minute. Let me go. Yeah, yeah. I've go got on. this is uh something that's been on my yeah. mind is I wanted to talk a little bit about my view of mental game at the very very highest level, like the twenty thousand foot overview, and one of the reasons i'm bringing this up is because i've been toying with the idea of doing like i'm willing to talk mental game i've got some youtube videos that are kind of tickle around a little bit uh but i'm i'm kind of interested in in working on mental game uh what's interesting is i'm not a sports psychologist i didn't graduate college i don't have credentials on my wall but what i can say is is that i'm i've got a lot of street experience where I've probably read a hundred mental game books. I've listened to a lot of mental game stuff. I've And I've talked to a lot of competitors over, over the years. And I've also played a lot of competitive experience, journaled a lot, reviewed, talked with you. And over the years, I've put together for myself what I consider to be a really good mental game machine. So, therefore, I had this idea. What I like about it is that it's actually very simple and tangible, where it's like you've got this machine. And the trick is you build a machine so that it works correctly. And then you maintain it if it starts breaking down. So here's how you build the machine. Here's what it needs to look like. Here's how it needs to work. And then if it's not working, then you can troubleshoot and figure out why it's not working and how to fix that part so that it's working again. So I'm going to elaborate because there's a point that relates to excuses and input equals output. but. I've I've been toying with the idea of doing some mental game coaching and maybe getting a small group of people on a, some kind of like recurring Zoom call. Uh, you know, I was thinking like for my schedule, Monday nights at nine o'clock, By say nights by kids, whatever. At nine o'clock, I'm free from like nine to 11 on Mondays. And I was toying with the idea of running like, you know, three three weeks in a row, maybe for a couple hours a night and just get a small group, whether it's two people or five people, I don't know. But just find people that are interested in strengthening their mental game and having a better machine. Um and then just kind of working them through some kind of Zoom course like that where we're we're talking through and building a machine and then talking about and then and then what I would do is I would ask people to like come with like some different things that they think give them problems in mental game, whether it's big, you know, big things like certain limiting beliefs or ideas, or whether it's certain things that situations to come up on the table. I figured let's just say I had a group of four or three and everybody came up with two, three things for each of those. Everyone has a list of four or five things. We can start by introducing ourselves and going over all these different things and kind of fleshing out some, some common themes of like, you know, what are a lot of situations? So then as we go through this, not only am I kind of helping refine their mental game machine, but we can also then talk about now that we have that model working what are some what are some good you know, what are some good tactical fixes for these specific situations so that everybody comes out with a recorded video that they can refer back to to cement this gameplay. So anyway, here's the thing I'm not doing this right now. I don't have it mapped out like I don't have this thing worked. I don't have something scheduled where if you want to join now, here's the next session, here's what it costs, here's what it covers. But this has been on my mind and in my heart. And if you're interested in something like that, email me at info at mnpoolbootcamp.com. I don't have it available now, but I will build it if there's interest. So with that said, the 20,000 mile look at my mental game goes like this. There's two parts, preventative and responsive. Preventative are things that we do with our mental game that prevent breakdowns from happening, that minimize pressure, that minimize negative emotions like fear, self-loathing, and anger. That's all preventative. And then you've got responsive, which is like, okay, I tried to do that, but somehow here I am in this moment and I'm raising pissed off and I want to punch a bait. So what do I do now? So the way that my mental game works is you build the machine a certain way and, and then you have to have a plan for how to troubleshoot and fix things when they break. That's the responsive part. The only thing I'm going to get into about any of this is that when it comes to the the uh, preventative stuff when it comes to how to build a machine. The machine is built in a large part by the narratives that we construct and the beliefs that we choose about who we are, why we play, how pool works, how the pool journey works, things like this. And spoiler, the more realistic you are about those things, the less it's going to break down. Because uh, typically the machine breaks down is when you have Unrealistic ideas, expectations about who you are, how things work, what's going to happen, whatever. That tends to be where people are like, well, this isn't working the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Like when you were like, saying, like you had a certain idea of where you were supposed to be, and then it was reality wasn't matching that. And you're like, well, this isn't working. And so then it's like, well, what if, what if it is working? And that's just, you know, the input equals output. So, so, so there's a, there's a really, really high, high level. Again, machine preventative, responsive, build a machine so it works right. Learn to troubleshoot and fix things in specific situations, and I promise you, if you guys have a list of ten things that come up in matches that cause you trouble, they are things I've probably journaled about for pages and have real, real good ways of troubleshooting those in the moment. But they only work if you already have the underlying beliefs. Um, Before I forget, I just want to. My point is is that that one of those beliefs that you have to have if you want to be an effective competitor is that input equals output, that you get what you deserve, and that that. You're capable of achieving things if you that that pools a skill game, and that if you want to improve, that you can identify a path to develop skills that you don't have now to a higher level than you have them now, and then achieve results that you haven't achieved before. And that you might not like the skills you have to develop; it may be a place that's scary or difficult, and it may it may take more time and energy than what you want to put in or what you even have a budget to put in. But you have to have a belief that says pools a skill game. And with the right input and with the right focused input, the right effective input, effective input, I can, there's nothing that would stop me from, from improving and hitting my goals. And every, every competitor that I know that's successful believes that. So people that want to not believe that story, because they're like, well, I'm too old, or I just don't have the talent or, you know what, that just doesn't work for me because, you know, that works for other people, but something, you know, whatever, like people that can't subscribe to that belief, they are building a machine that will not improve. So when you're talking about excuses and narratives that are built with excuses, like that's just, it's not reality. So there's an example of how they have a narrative that doesn't match the reality, which is the truth is fool's a skill game. And that if there's areas that are holding you back, you can identify and improve those areas. And it may not be comfortable. It may challenge your comfort zone. It may be scary and hard, it, it, whatever, but, but that it's just like anything else. It's like learning to, it's like, it's like learning to, um, you know, if somebody knows how to do math, you know, and they can add and subtract and multiply and divide, it's like there's nothing about
1: fractions that's going to stop them if if they are willing to do the work. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no no no! I was just thinking um, when you were talking at one point. I cognitive dissonance. Is that the? Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah yeah yeah. Where yeah. your brain doesn't really you're you're struggling with yourself. And to me, that's bringing people into reality is is how you quiet that because when you have that when you're playing that's where you have major, major problems, you know, where you think that it should be going a certain way and it's not going that way. Because so, so like yeah. that, when you were talking about people that are,
0: uh, when I was talking about people that are very analytical, that how they want it to work is I'm going to understand why I'm overcutting this ball. And then I'm going to fix it for people that, that thinks it worked that way, think it works that way. They might go down this road where they try to learn everything about why that shot is overcutting. And then they're trying really hard to fix it in a certain, you know, fundamental aiming system. I'm going to control this kind of way. And then when that doesn't work, they're going to make the conclusion that either, Oh, I just don't have time to put in because I know I'm on the right track. If I just made all these things work, but, but it's just not working. So either I just don't have the time to work my master plan or I have worked my master plan for years and it doesn't work. So therefore I must just not have it as talent or my age or something else. And it's like, These are really, really destructive stories because the truth is that there are that everybody can improve at this game. Now, I know everyone's thinking about an exception. Okay. So, for the person who just lost their eyesight yesterday because an eagle swooped down from the sky and it was just this vicious eagle attack, I'm really sorry. You're not going to get better at pool. And for the, if somebody is like, you know, 90 years old and their health is rapidly deteriorating and they got like two months to live and they're like, every day that they play, they're, it's like they can only play for five minutes before they have to, tap out and use a respirator. Like, okay, fair enough. These are some significant challenges. Part of being in reality, it works both ways. I'm willing to concede there's a reality there, but that's not what I'm running into. That's not what I'm seeing. And what I'm hearing is people talking about how their eyesight's failing as they get older. And I'm like, you know what? I start, I wear contact lenses. Do you know how I start every day? Half blind. And you know what? My pool room, the light's off. So you know what I do is I stumble into my pool room, half asleep, before I've even had my 24 ounce monster yeah. with, in the dark with no contacts in. And I pick up my pool cue and run a table just to see how, just because it's fun to try. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Your brain sees angles and it's like, you you kind of know where the pockets are that they, they haven't moved them. You know, it's been a long, we've changed, you know, the color cloth has changed, but the pockets are still right over there in the corner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just kind of put them in the hole. And so if I could do that with my contacts out in the dark, I guarantee you, your vision isn't worse than that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just hear this stuff and it makes okay. Go ahead. No, that's <laughs> no. I just I want people to so reality cognitive dissonance get dissonance. Yeah, there's, just there's there's if people if people if the story they tell themselves doesn't match reality, then it causes all kinds of
1: malfunctions. Yeah, and a lot of reactive behavior behavior, and it's hard to respond. Like Irene's a therapist, my wife. And she was talking about, cause I was talking about pool and kind of some of the things I'm working on and want to work on with people. And she's like, well, basically you're talking about is what she talks about all the time, which is respond versus react. Like you, you would, as a therapist, she's trying to give people the skills to be able to respond to what's happening in their life in, instead of reacting, you know? And I just feel like people are very reactive with pool. And especially I was very reactive with pool when we had that conversation back in the back when I was, you know, input equals output conversation, I just would react to the results, you know? And I'd be like, well, look, I'm just not, you know, reaching whatever it's unfair. And uh, it's just unfair. And I would look at how much a person practiced compared to me. And if they played better, I'd be like, well, they just have a gift that I don't have. And this is just unfair. And it's like, I'm reacting, 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 rather than responding and saying, my reality is this with my family, this with my time, this with my abilities, this with my, with everything, my, my mental game, whatever. It's like, I have to like respond to what my reality is and come up with new ideas. And, and, and the biggest thing was acceptance. Like that's what you taught me a a lot. And what I've learned through other sort of studies is that, um, is accepting where I'm at. And then once I can accept where I'm at, I'm far less reactive and I can be more responsive. And then if I see something break down, I can just make the, the the adjustment that needs to get made because I'm calm enough to look and see where the breakdown was rather than to spiral into self-loathing or spiral into poor me or spiral into, you know, yeah, unfairness yeah. or whatever. And, and I think that's are.
0: important. So when people ask me questions that are res- uh, responsive type situations, like, okay, I'm in the moment. I'm playing a guy that he's always had my number. I really want to beat him. I've always been intimidated. And I get to the hill and I just dog it against him. And like, what do I do if I get really nervous right there? It's like, well, the problem is you can't fix a machine that was never built right in the first place. So if you have a good understanding of what the right mindsets and working what a working machine should look like, and that's what you've built, and that's where you spend a lot of your time reinforcing certain beliefs and ideas, then when you go off the rails, then it's simply a matter of, Kind of course, like a just a snap, correcting and saying, "Oh, oh, oh! I veered off the correct track. I'm starting to think this way again, but I know that's not the case." So, for example, um, in that spot, you know, I'm 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 nervous. I've never beat this guy. If I win against it, then so if I start thinking that way, I can say, "Okay, okay." I'm starting to think really result based. I understand where this is coming from and why I've given this thought. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to uh, you know. I, I, anyway, I, I really don't want to go into an example right now. Yeah, it takes yeah, too yeah. long. But yeah. the point is, is that you can't you can't correct it if you've never built it right in the first place. Which is why building the right underlying foundational ideas and beliefs is really important. I used to think that, like, I I've never really given much thought to mental game coaching because I always thought these things were so self evident that like everybody has to understand that these are correct beliefs and outlooks. But the more I watch people play, the more I hear people talk, the more I realize that. They're not self-evident and that apparently a lot of people spin a lot of stories because it's makes things more comfortable and I I'm not perfect. I'm not goggins either and but it's like but I I I've I've developed a lot closer to a reality view a, a real good view of reality then so that was the first thing I was gonna say and then what was the other thing I'm sorry Josh, but go back just a bit what were you saying you were talking about uh, you were talking about cognitive dissonance and uh Both therapy and... uh, Response versus reaction. Response versus
1: reaction. I lost my other thought. That's that's okay. okay. Yeah, no, I think we covered a lot, Demi, and and I think that... uh, that It was was going to be something about input, you know, input equals output again, and... um, Ah, it's gone. Okay, sorry. Take it. Take the horse (laughs) out back. That horse is gone. Yeah. I think what I'm excited about, Demi, is that I don't look at this as negative either. Like, I don't look at it as, oh all these people that are making excuses. And, you know, it's like, if you listen to Goggins, I mean, he, he doesn't come off very empathetic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So I, there's a, there's a spectrum, right. And I, I know that a leak of mine is that I struggle with empathy. Um, I, I'm a caring person. I really love people and I want to lift people up and I want to encourage and inspire and and help motivate. And I want to help um, people along their path. And I try to look at the positives like when I work with people, I work with Chris, and I I send him a text afterwards. Here's the five things that you're doing that are amazing, and then here's a couple things that we're gonna we're trying to improve on, and and whatever. And I look at it that way. Like honestly, I I do look to try to find out what people are doing that are great, and and I want to encourage them, and and I think that that's. Something that's different from that, maybe your experience being around professional players or people that are teachers or whatever you want to say it. Especially in Minnesota, it just it hasn't been that way. And so I'm excited to to try to bring that to people because it's something that I didn't really experience. Um, but but I think w- what I'm what I'm uh, what I'm trying to say is that. It, but at the same time, like there is a skill set in learning how to um, build resiliency and excuses in identifying it's a leak to just live with excuses in your life and to identify in for, for me or you or whatever to help identify help people identify where they're making excuses if a person's looking for that type of type of help then this this is great you know if you're not if you was if you say that is distasteful then it's obviously not a good fit just like what some people just don't like goggins, and but there's a millions of people that do. It's just it kind of depends on where you're at in your life and your journey and what you're trying to accomplish. And uh yeah, that's it. That's all yeah, I'm and, trying to and, say. And I think there's there's two things. First of all, I remembered what I was going
0: to say, which is when it comes to input equals output, it's funny because I want everyone to play a game uh real quick. You can play a lot. I want you to picture three players that have put in a lot of work on their pool game, but have not achieved what you've achieved in your pool game. Think of three individuals that haven't achieved what you have that are working hard. And now I want you to picture three individuals that have achieved more than you have.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And then the question is, have the three people that aren't as good as you or haven't achieved what you've achieved, have they put in as much as you have and are the three people that have achieved more than you, have they done anything beyond what you've done in terms of input, in terms of like, so when I think of like three people that are uh, outperform me, I think about people that have played more national and international yeah. tournaments yeah. that have played higher, higher stakes gambling sets yeah. that have played full time for longer periods of their life. I can't, I can't think of anybody that can outperform me who hasn't also made sacrifices and put in input that I've not made Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's and 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 the people that are underperforming me, I can look at specific things that I've done and sacrificed and input I've put in that they haven't. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so it's like people that don't like the input equals output, and you kind of get exactly what you deserve for what you put in. It's like, it's actually it passes the sniff test. Pretty does it not? Yeah, that's a really good exercise.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's
0: just it's really obvious. So then let me talk about where I lack compassion and and, and if I do, why it's it's because. I, and, and I, I, and I, it's not that I don't like Goggins because of where, of, of where I'm at in my life or what I do the message. I have my other things. We've actually did a podcast about it once, but the point is, I don't, I don't hate the guy either. he just, he's not a guy that like speaks to you. He's not mm-hmm. a guy that really speaks to me. A lot of his message, I mean, gosh, of course, it's great. What I like is, uh, here's the problem is that I see things from a fundamentally different place than a lot of players, which is, Wherever you're at right now is perfect. Whatever your starting point, whether you've never held a queue before or whether you're a professional player or whether you're a good amateur or whether you're a low-level pro or whether whatever your Fargo rate is, it makes zero difference because that's where you are right now. And all that matters is here's where we're at. Here's the direction we want to go. Let's identify where we want to be, figure out what the road is that leads there figure, and then start walking down that road. And we can celebrate where we are in the here and now and celebrate the direction that we're going and the exciting things that that's going to bring as well. And that there's no place for, there's no real, there's nothing negative about any of that. Like it's, it's really weird. So, so, so the reason that I bite at times like, if you're talking about, like, identifying five things the guy's doing well, then two th- words, like, I'm not saying you're doing this. I'm just saying, some people look at it like this, like, here's five things that you're really good
1: at. Hey, here's a couple things. And, eh,
0: you know, we got to work it. But like, I just look at it, like, there's no emotion for any of it. And I'm not saying there is for you. I'm not saying well there's no difference. I'm just talking for me. I and I forget that I have to translate it into human speak when I talk to other people. But for me, I just look at it as a series of, Here's things where I'm, I play stronger than my current. You know, if I'm a whatever my Fargo is, here's some areas that I outperform that. Here's some areas I underperform that. There's the information. What do I need? You know, what's the best course of action to continue to make progress and my, you know, forward progress towards my goals? And I and I've developed certain outlooks where I love weaknesses because weaknesses there, there's a reason that people misunderstand and think that they're bad. Weaknesses are only bad. If you believe that they will stop you from achieving your goals and your happiness, like, oh man, I am flawed in this way. And therefore I can't, I will never be able to, or I can't achieve what I want. And I'll never be, I'll never hit my goals and I'll never reach any kind of fulfillment in my life because I'm flawed in these ways that cannot be competent. So if you believe that you have some mortal flaws that can't be overcome, or that can't be mitigated, and that, that because of this you're destined to failure and 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 suffering and and you know discontent. Well, then I can see why those weaknesses would carry some kind of emotional stigma. But I would go right back to that machine and say, well, that's a faulty belief that you've constructed. That, that ah, that's a that's actually creating a lot of self loading and, and and all this. So instead, I I just choose to look at it as like we've all whatever level you're at. Your game is not, I your game is not there's a hundred different pool skills. You're not gonna be exactly the same level at every single pool skill. You're not gonna be exactly as good at striking as you are at jumping, as you are at breaking, as you are at kicking, as you are at, at, at you know, back cuts, as you are at, at cue ball, whatever. It's just not as you are at mental game. Like there's too many different parts. You're gonna have some strengths and you're gonna have some weaknesses. And I'm not gonna call them opportunities. Like, I don't care. It's it's relative, it's all relative. So the point is that is the landscape. That is the landscape of every pool player is we have some things we're good at. We have some things that we're not as good at yet. And so then that's information. And so those, those weaknesses are great because that's, what's going to allow you to improve. And I, I sometimes I'll tell somebody like, Hey, if you, Josh, if you're going to play if it, if it's, it's January, we're about to go to Derby. Suppose on uh, April 1st, when we open the club, we were going to put you in the ring with a guy as an exhibition match on day one, and you're going to play a $10,000 set race to 11 in front of everybody. We're going to live stream it across the country. Do you want me to put you in the box with somebody who's like an 830 or somebody that's like a 630? Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm not down here. I'm not trying to load it. Of course, you could say, well, I don't mind a challenge and I'm not the knit and all this. I'm not trying to put you. I'm just saying like, hey, if you had to post your own money, it's like, yeah, 10 grand in front of everybody. You know what? I wouldn't mind having the best, of it, right? I wouldn't mind. I'm just saying, I'm not a locksmith, but I wouldn't mind having the best. My point is, That's the truth is because in in three months, you are going to be competing for the most important match of your life, but you're going to be competing against the guy you are today. So on April 1, you want to be able to look at the guy you were today and be like, I could take that guy. I've I've improved, right? You want to improve. Mm -hmm. So you're always, your future self is competing with the person you are now. So whatever weaknesses and problems you have in your game, I'm like, great, then it shouldn't be hard to beat you you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then it shouldn't be hard for the future you to beat you. So if you're concerned about, can I improve it? Can I hit my pool? So it's very odd to me. It's very, 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 very odd to me for a person to look at their game and say, I can't hit my growth goals because I've got these weaknesses. I'm like, no, it's actually because you have those weaknesses. I'm so confident you can hit your growth goals because your growth goals are to outperform your current self. And so with all those weaknesses, if you're if you're half as bad as you think you are, then it should be twice as easy as you think it is to get twice as far as you want it to go. Okay. try trying to mess that up. Yeah. Like the Bilbo Baggins speech. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to my uh, Lord of the Rings geeks. So anyway, it's like, come on, man. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's really so, good. So when I talk to people, I, sometimes I'm not very empathetic because I'm like, Oh boy, you suck at this. Well, and I get super excited. <laughs> they're like, Hey, easy. easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I think where people get caught up is that wishing, right. Instead of just progressing, it's like, well, I wish I was X Fargo rate, and that could that could that could take a lot of time and, and a lot. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Instead of saying like I, but they set it as a goal, like I want to be X Fargo rate. It's like, well, it it's just, um, and that's where I remember
0: I did that whole video where I was talking about that times where I'm like, man, I just wish I do, I wish I was better at this. And then I remember doing a whole video where I was like, when I think that, I remember like, well, what if I had a volant? And I could wave that wand and not have those problems and just magically be better in those areas and achieve the results that my goals are to achieve. I wouldn't want to wave that wand because I may think that what I want is the results, but what I really want, it's like, no, I don't want to bypass. Like I would be depriving myself of the joy and satisfaction of the growth and the breakthroughs and the feelings of accomplishment that come from developing through and facing those challenges. If you could just wave a wand and I just didn't miss That would wreck the game, like yeah. And so it's like this is another example of a belief that I have that I've constructed into my machine of beliefs, where it's like, yeah, I understand why at times you might be discouraged and feel like, man, I'm terrible at this. I'll never succeed. I'll never be able to hit my goals. This is what, like, those are those are thoughts that that would be an example of thoughts that awake negative feelings, where that would be in my like, you know, kind of like. Uh, responsive situation now where I have to go back and say, why am I feeling dejected and discouraged? Oh, I'm starting to think like a goddamn fish again. Okay, that's how fish think. Champions believe that this is what, you know, that they're excited for is, and that this is why they're actually assured and all these, and I would not want to be deprived of the journey. And then you have to like manually course correct back. So there's like a winning mindset. And then even among people that are, you know, versed in that, there's always going to be times when you, you have you get distracted from that winning mindset and you start thinking like a six-year-old again. And so then a lot of my mental game is let's learn how to think like an adult. Let's let's learn what six-year-old beliefs we have that are not serving us. And then let's understand what situations trigger these six year old thoughts to come back. So if you're practicing on one of the things you're weak at and you're struggling and failing, like I talked about the draw shot after the US Open, well then, then um you might start thinking like a six-year-old again. So there's a spot you might, and then when you're in that spot, here's how you can maybe course correct and laugh at yourself. Oh, I'm thinking like a six-year-old again. That's not really what I believe. What I really believe is this. And then you smile and go back to having fun with the journey. So it's like that's a lot of how I kind of treat mental games. What are the adult beliefs? What are the kid beliefs that sneak in? When do they sneak in? How do you catch them? How do you course correct? Things like that. But um, but
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So weakness is sorry, I no, that's it. Yeah. I guess I was what I was trying to say to, to them was. I think that if people looked at that, like you were explaining and saying, okay, it's a new year. What are my goals for the year to get better than I was last year? That's way different than saying I'm going from X Fargo rate to X Fargo rate. It's like, no, I mean, you can't determine how long that process is going to take. And that spike could happen faster. It could take many, many years. But to have more of a long-term mindset that says, I'm just trying to get better every day. Um, or every week or every month, and try to the, the three month me can every quarter I can beat the last quarter's guy. That's you know, that might only be one Fargo point. You know, what who even cares about? Fargo yeah, on? yeah, yeah. I, mean, seriously, no, no, I, just, no, I get it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, 100%. And that's yeah. that's a good point is that uh, that's again about
0: matching reality. So when it comes to batching reality, it's important that you're setting your goals such that your goals, your your outcome goals should be long term. And I've talked about this, it's on my YouTube channel, um, MN Fool camp. Anyway, you can go back to my little bit on goal setting, but I think long-term goals should be outcome goals. You should hold yourself accountable to certain things, but I think in the short term, it should be more process focused. Uh, But I think that it's important to set your goals up realistically, which is where I'm at with the budget I have to put in of time and energy. Exactly, What is a realistic goal to set for myself? And then then how do I break that down into short-term processes? And then let's grade myself on processes. So for example, um, I don't remember if I mentioned this, but I had a, a one of the kids I was coaching. Uh, uh, shout out to Eddie Vondro from from South Dakota, but he was talking about preparing for a. He was talking about his tournament that was up and coming, and I remember asking him, like, uh, you know, like I was asking him what his goals were with pool, and he was like, long term, short term, and in the short term, he's like, well, I'm playing this tournament in a month, and last year I took fourth, and this year I'm hoping I do better. I want to finish higher. I was like, well. There's, you know, that's good. I mean, it's good to have goals, but I'm like, the problem with that is, is that, you know, there's so many things out of your control. What if the other guy plays a perfect set? What if you draw the toughest player in the tournament first round? Like, what if you don't always play your best game and you take a a bad loss? It's like, it's it's a little, you're going to create a lot of anyway. So, so I told him, what if, what if your goal was to prepare harder this month than you did last year in the month before that same tournament? Yeah. Like, what did you do last year in the month leading up to this tournament? What could you do in the next month that would outperform your preparation? And then what if your goal was to prepare better than you prepared last year? Yeah. But all of a sudden, the hard part with that is, damn it, now I got to like that actually leads to. So the good news is that leads to effective work, which is more likely to hit your short term goals and it's almost certain to hit your long term goals. The bad news is, damn it, now you got to do it. Yeah. But if you want to, if you want to be a competitor, it's like that's, that's maybe a more useful question is not where do you want to finish, but. How, what did you do last year to prepare what are you yeah. going to do better this year to prepare yeah. so anyway just we could make this podcast as long as we wanted by going further
1: but i'm good with that i think we're good yeah i, I agree Demi. i think we hit it pretty good i uh i did want to mention a couple things yeah 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 wrap up, wrap up. um this is self serving for me and for you I, if if anyone is listening and they're around the cities and they want to work with me or try that out for 75 minutes um I don't know, Should they just hit you up and you forward it to no. me oh, or go she, to me? She, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So go to me, Josh, J O S H Burble, B U R B U L at MSN.com, Josh Burble at MSN.com. Or if you're friends with me on Facebook or something, just hit me up there on messenger. Um, also if you're into t-shirts and you want to do a club shirt, hit me up too. Cause I'll, uh, I can, I can get you a shirt as well. So we have short sleeve shirts, long sleeve shirts, they're tri blend. They're super soft. They're super comfortable. They're, uh, they're not uh, littered with um, logos and things. They're very, magnet. yeah. They're, they're total chick total magnets. Total chick magnets. What well, <laughs> nude magnets if you're a chick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, they're very nice. And I can, I can send you pictures or I can show you some things, but, but yeah, the, the slate shirts are. Uh, and if you're in the Twin Cities area and you're looking for a place where
0: you can train uh, and, and participate anyway, you can contact us about the club. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's going to be a private club. Yep. There's going to be limited. Limited spots, and so uh, if you're interested in getting in, you can message. We haven't even advertised it yet. No, not at all. We have a a little waiting – not a waiting list, but we kind of have a list of who's going to be able to get in, and we'll see. But anyway, uh, so if you're interested, let us speak sooner than later because we can't guarantee – uh, we, it's not infinitely large as we've learned
1: from the city fire marshal. So exactly. Uh, yeah, that's it. I just want to hit those up.
0: Yeah. 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 And then, uh, they can hit me up about if they have questions about boot camps, mental game training, uh, which I'm really, I almost talked myself into doing it now. I'm kind of fired up. Yeah. I kind of like, I kind of feel like I, I don't even, Josh, I don't even want to do it in a sense. I don't want to do more to make more like that's not, I don't even want to work anymore. I just, I can't not do it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like there's certain things where my like, damn stick just jumps up at me. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm trying to I, I can't even dunk, yeah. man. I gotta, yeah, yeah. I gotta have a hustle where I win. So anyway, yeah. and then uh finally we're gonna be at Derby City. I don't know how soon I'll get this out. It's the 18th right now. We're driving down there tomorrow. And uh so if any of you are listeners, uh wait until I'm in the middle of an important match. And right before my inning, come flay me down and start a real big conversation with me. (laughs) And then I'll tell you to screw up. But no, no, seriously, uh, just don't, while I'm playing a match or if I just took a hard beat, maybe just give me like five minutes to like report my loss to the tournament director and figure out, you know, which bridge is closest. It was, let me at least go through the map quest of the bridges and then then you can talk to me. But seriously, we'd love to hear from people. I always get excited to meet listeners. So thanks for sharing the pool road with us and I look forward to running into one of you, uh, all of you one day. Exactly. Thanks. Until next time.